They come from within ourselves with the doubts that lead us to be paralyzed and unable to take any kind of action. They come from our own desires and uh, priorities that are different than those of God. They come from our own need to find the path of least resistance to existing. How many of us look for hardship uh, to go into, right? They come from within our faith communities, within the church when we have false teaching or bad teaching, when we engage in practices that keep people from feeling welcome in the presence of God or that they don't belong. We have a, we have a you know, good-looking place here, but there is brokenness in us. There are things that need to be fixed that challenge us. There are sins that are ignored and denied. And there are things that we are willfully committing that are against what God would have us do. And they come, the challenges to our faith come from within our society. For the desire to fit in, to find that easiest way of getting along with everyone, which usually means to avoid conflict. And not to say that we should be people who are out there like, ah, to everyone. (laughs) But that we should be people who are not afraid to contend for the faith, which is what God tells us to do. So as we start the series, we're going to look at the letter uh, written by Jude, because he's the one that uses this phrase, contend for the faith. And the Greek word that that... We translate as contend because how many here use contend on a normal basis in their language? Yeah, not many of us, right? So the, it's important. It's a good word, which is why we're focusing on it. The Greek word means to exert intense effort on behalf of. So we should think of contending for the faith as the thing that we do in partnership with God. God has given to us the gift of faith. What we do with that faith and for that faith is exert intense effort on behalf of. We receive it and we do something with it and for it. So in our modern world, that looks like apologetics where we defend the faith. That looks like service where we live out our faith. That looks like submission, where we learn from and humbly receive guidance on the faith. And most importantly, it looks like commitment to Jesus by opening ourselves up to receive from the Holy Spirit the rule and reign of Christ. So we're going to look at some of these themes over the next number of weeks, starting with the letter from Jude. So if I could have somebody come up to pray for us as we open God's word, that'd be great. Thanks, Donna. Lord, please be with Pastor Chelsea today and her message. And she has been a wonderful person to us, and uh, God sent. Amen. 
So if you're going to follow along in the green Bibles, you'll turn. There isn't actually a page number on the page, but it's at the very back before Revelation. And if it was on a page number, it'd be on page 192. And you also notice in your seat pockets that we're going to try something new. We have some cards for those of you who like to take notes or want to take notes, but never seem to remember to bring a journal to do it with. We're going to try to help you out here. Uh, so in the seat pockets, if you want to write anything down, you can do so on these little cards. And if you're sitting in the front row, you'll have to get it from behind you. And what we're going to do today is we're, uh, we're not going to read the whole letter and then talk about it, but we're going to talk about it as we go through it. So uh, I do recommend that you follow along so that you can follow along. Jude, a servant of Jesus Christ and brother of James. So actually, Jude is a member of Jesus' family as well. Jude continues, to those who are called, who are beloved in God the Father and kept safe for Jesus Christ, may mercy, peace, and love be yours in abundance. Jude starts his letter by reminding those of us who are listening to him who we are. We are called by God, which means we are called to do something usually. We are the beloved in God the Father. We are loved by our God. And we are kept safe in Jesus Christ. Kept safe, secure no matter what the circumstances and the tools by which we are given, the gifts that we are given as we contend for the faith are these mercy, peace, and love in God's abundance. Verse three, beloved, while eagerly preparing to write to you about the salvation that we share, I find it necessary to write an appeal to you to contend for the faith that was once for all entrusted to the saints. For certain intruders have stolen in among you, people who long ago were designated for this condemnation as ungodly, who pervert the grace of our God into licentiousness and deny our only master and Lord, Jesus Christ. So Jude says, I I was going to just write to you and we could share some great thoughts on the beauty that is the gift of Jesus' salvation and the work of the cross and the resurrection. But I heard that you've got some people who are not doing some good things in your midst. And so that's a much more important thing for us to be talking about because you know the truth of the story of salvation. You know what has been given to you. It was a once for all deal. We don't have to question that. So we're going to talk about the thing that we do need to talk about, which are these people in your community who have taken the gift of God's grace, which says that we are forgiven of all of our sins, and they have turned that into permission from God to do whatever they want with their life. I'm forgiven, so why not? Right? Party! That's basically what they're saying. I can do whatever I want with my body. I can do whatever I want with your body. I can do whatever I want because it's all forgiven, right? 
perverting the gift of God's grace, Jude says, because they are denying that Jesus is the master of our lives, that Jesus is the master of our bodies, that Jesus is the master of our hearts and our souls and our minds, and we should do what the master wants us to do with them. We have been freed from the condemnation of our sins, not so that we could feel free to do more sins, but freed from the condemnation so that we don't have to spend all of our time working for the forgiveness of God. Instead, we can spend our time serving and loving and being loved. We are the beloved of God. Instead of focusing on needing to be reconciled all the time, we have been freed to know that we have been once for all reconciled with all of our sins nailed to the cross. And now we can experience the joy of knowing Christ intimately. So that's what all that means. Verse 5, now I desire to remind you, though you are fully informed, remember you know all these things, that the Lord, here it is again, who once for all saved a people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed those who did not believe. And the angels who did not keep their own position but left their proper dwelling, he has kept in eternal chains, in the darkest, deepest darkness for the judgment of the great day. Likewise, Sodom and Gomorrah and the surrounding cities, which in the same manner as they indulged in sexual immorality and pursued unnatural lust, serve as an example by undergoing a punishment of eternal fire. So we can't go into explaining what all three of those stories are particularly about, but we can talk about what they are all about at their core. At their core, Pharaoh, who led his army after the Israelites, after they had been led through the Red Sea by God, could not let go of the idea that he was in control And therefore, the world should be as he wanted it to be, not as God wanted it to be. And therefore, God had to destroy him. And the angels who rebelled against their proper place where God had placed them also had to be shut in and imprisoned. Because they too thought the world should be with them on top, not God on top. Seeking positions that did not belong to them. And Sodom and Gomorrah chose to follow the desires of their flesh rather than the desires of how God had told them to interact with others.
Am I on now? Nope. There we go. Okay. That was a bad place to pause. It's a little anxiety ridden for me. We're, we're talking about sad stuff. So at the bottom line, these were all people who preferred the vision of the world that they were trying to make be than the vision of God for the world, right? We hear this in verse 8. In the same way, these dreamers, this is what he calls the people in their midst who are teaching them bad things. These dreamers also defile the flesh, reject authority, and slander the glorious ones. Speak against the ones that God has put in their midst to lead them. But when the archangel Michael contended with the devil and disputed about the body of Moses, when Moses was accused, this is a extra biblical story that Jude's referring to. Moses was accused of murder by the devil. And so Michael goes to contend for the sake of Moses. So when The archangel Michael contended with the devil and disputed about the body of Moses. He did not dare to bring a condemnation of slander against him, the devil, but said, the Lord rebuke you. So Michael did not return slander with slander. Basically, is that's what it's supposed to be teaching us. Michael left judgment to God because he knows that Moses was kept safe in God. But these people, these dreamers, these people have the, who, have, who are lost in the world of their mind, the world that they've created in their mind, and how many of us have not had a picture of reality that is actually very different than the reality that we are in, right? That's us, guys. These people slander whatever they do not understand. They are destroyed by those things, those things that, like irrational animals, they know by instinct. When we are lost in this picture of reality that we really want to be it's almost by instinct that we act to try to make it be the case without realizing that what we're doing is destroying us talk to anyone who has struggled with addiction and they will tell you this story the world and what they think that they need what they think that they need in their head, they will do anything to get, no matter what the cost, and they will feel justified in doing it. Heartbreaking. Woe to them, for they go the way of Cain. They give in to anger and jealousy. They abandon themselves to Balaam's error for the sake of gain, which means they give themselves over to the greedy desires of our heart. And they perish in Korah's rebellion, which means they go against the authority of God's appointed leaders in their midst. So these are all of the things, all of these bad things that we have to contend for the faith against. We have to exert intense effort to protect the gift that God has given us against these things in other people and in ourselves. Because these attitudes, this challenge and this problem, these are blemishes, verse 12, on our love feasts when we gather together to celebrate the Lord's Supper. While they feast with you without fear, feeding themselves, he says, they have no idea the trouble that they're in. 
with God and for themselves. That verb or that word blemishes can also be translated as reefs in the sea. Those things that we cannot see but can shipwreck our ships very easily. They are dangerous to us. They are useless. He says in the middle of verse 12, They are waterless clouds carried along by the winds who might have looked like they promised rain, but when they were, when we needed them, they were empty. They are autumn trees without fruit. The time in which you are supposed to produce the fruit, they are empty, twice dead, uprooted. They are wild waves of the sea. And if anyone's been watching the news in the last week, we know the kind of destruction that a wild wave can cause. They cast up the foam of their own shame without realizing because they leave and go back into the ocean and what's left is the shameful foam on the sandy beach that affects those of us who are walking along. They are wandering stars from whom, for whom the deepest darkness has been reserved forever. Useless. Verse 14 tells us, though, that this is something that we kind of knew was going to happen. It was also about these that Enoch and the seventh generation from Adam prophesied, saying, See, the Lord is coming with ten thousands of his holy ones to execute judgment on all and to convict everyone of all the deeds of ungodliness that they have committed in such an ungodly way and of all the harsh things that ungodly sinners have spoken against him. Do you get it? Ungodliness for everyone. Okay, so convicting everyone of all the deeds of ungodliness committed in an ungodly way and of all the harsh things that ungodly sinners have spoken against God. People who have the thing that must be when they go to a meeting or a church or in their family, when we hold on to only one picture and cannot imagine a possibility beyond, when we are so adamant that we are the ones that are right and there couldn't possibly be another idea out there, you tracking what I'm following? When we live in our own world where we want things to go our way, Are we building up the community of God? Are we seeking to have the Lord be the master? Are we asking ourselves whether what we want is what the Lord wants? Because if we're not, we're useless and we're dangerous for those who are trying to contend for the faith. And he gets even more practical And I love this, I love this verse and hate it all at the same time because it's true for all of us. People who are like this, who cannot see that they are not seeking the will of God but seeking their own will, are grumblers, malcontents. They indulge their own lusts. They are bombastic in speech, flattering people to their own advantage. 
when we grumble, when we are unhappy, when we decide that it's okay to seek pleasure in things that God has told us to be careful with, when we sound so eloquent, but it turns out that our words are very empty. That's what bombastic speech means. And when we flatter other people so as to get them to do what we want them to do, it is very clear who the center of the universe is. And it is ourselves. Because to grumble is to say that what you want and what you need is most important. To be unhappy is to say that the world and your place in it only matters if what you want is what you get. Truly. To seek the pleasures, we know how that connects, right? So there's all these pieces inside each of us that have these things. What if we became a community who said, are we grumbling about this? Are we unhappy because this is against the will of God or because we don't like the way it makes us feel? What if we ask those kinds of questions with one other, one another more often as we exerted intense effort on the behalf of the gift that God has given us here? Instead of just complaining, what if we ask God to show us a better way to be? You, beloved, must remember the predictions of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. For they said to you, in the last time there will be scoffers, indulging their own ungodly lusts. It is these worldly people, devoid of the Spirit, who are causing divisions, our malcontent, our grumbling, our pursuit of our own desires, our eloquent words that are empty of meaning, and our flattering of one another for, the, for our own gain. This is what causes division in Christ's church. This is what breaks down the gifts of love and joy and peace. And these are the marks of the places in our lives where we have not allowed the Holy Spirit in. These are the places where we have said to Christ, whether we realize it or not, that he cannot rule and reign. That we're not ready to seek his will. We just want to be with ourselves for a bit more. And listen, man and women, there's, we are all there somewhere. We are all there somewhere. But hear this beautiful word. You, beloved, going back to that beginning, right? Beloved of God, build yourselves up on your most holy faith, that beautiful gift of God. Pray in the Holy Spirit. Keep yourselves in the love of God and look forward to the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. Do these things and you will be contending for the faith. And for those in our community who are struggling, have mercy on some of those who are wavering, who kind of need that little bit of encouragement as they choose which way they will go. 
For those who are trying and who have failed and who are trying again, which is all of us, to have the Lord rule and reign, right? And save others by snatching them out of the fire. Do you remember that story I told, I don't know how long ago as well, about the priest who was driving by an adult video store and saw the one of his colleagues' cars parked in the parking lot? And instead of going in and saying, you sinner, he went over to the man and he said, brother, you and I do not belong here. And let him out of the store. That is the picture of snatching out of the fire that God calls us to with one another. And yet there are still others that we have mercy on with fear hating even the tunic defiled by their bodies because those of us who have let large pieces of our lives be controlled by a spirit other than the Holy Spirit have strong skills, have a good ability to manipulate and to provoke anger in us. And so there is danger involved in trying to help people see the areas of their life where Christ is not ruling and reigning. And it takes maturity to be able to withstand the pressures that come when someone tries to convince you to believe their way is the right way after all and gets you to doubt that you're standing up for the truth is actually the truth. And so we have to be careful the ways in which we go about contending for the faith in someone else's life. Now to him who is able to keep you from falling, to Jesus who is able to keep you from falling, and to make you stand without blemish in the presence of his glory with rejoicing. This is the hope of the mercy of God for us. To the one and only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory and majesty, power and authority before all time, now, and forevermore. Amen. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. So let's sing about that faith.